Business in the Okanagan Matters. This is Law Talk with lawyers Clay Williams and Tanvir Gill from FH&P Lawyers, LLP. They talk business and take your questions at podcast at fhplawyers.com. Now, here's Clay Williams. Welcome to another edition of FH&P's Business Law Podcast. I'm here as usual with uh, Tanvir and as usual as the good-looking one of the uh, two of us, kind of carrying the podcast. Uh, welcome, Tanvir. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so I see you brought your dog in today. I did, and I didn't bring him into the room because last time he was barking. He was. He was very disruptive. Yeah, very disruptive. Locked him in the office. I was like, we'll be right back. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't leave you any presents. No. He's trained, Clay. So I see we've got our numbers out. Uh, you know, who's listening and... Uh, Geez, I think we're doing very well. We're not just my mom. Not just your mom, although I think is, does she does she log in on different devices to increase her? On two thousand different devices. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So thank you for listening, and thank you very much for all the the questions, and uh, we'll keep doing shows to answer those questions. So on to today. At FHMP, we're a full-service firm, which is great. We have so many different departments that we can lean on. We do a lot of crosswork with each other. So today we have one of our family lawyers. I'll let her introduce herself. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Kristen Greenough, long-term listener, first-time podcaster. And I've been at FHMP, I think, for about three years, maybe four I split my time between the Kelowna office and our Penticton office, and I practice exclusively in family law. How long have you been going back and forth to Penticton? Just about a year now. Yeah. Which yeah. office do you like more? Well, Penticton has a dog regularly in it, so that's that's <laughs> a point in its favor. And I think it's a really it's a lot nicer than Tanvir's dog. Is that right? <laughs> I, I've not yet met Tanvir's dog, so I don't want to say one way or the other. <laughs> My dog is like one fourth the size of Ian's dog, <laughs> and is still only nine months old and doesn't know what he's doing. So we, we are a very dog friendly law firm. Yeah, except I do hide my dog from certain partners. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> now everyone's going to know he's often in my office. I don't think people really knew he was there. Just put him in your purse. <laughs> Clay called me out. <laughs> You'd need a fairly big purse, uh, and I think, to get your dog into it. You? So. Got it. <laughs> so uh, the focus of the podcast is business. And so we want to talk a little bit about the interaction between family law and and businesses. And so Tanvir and I, of course, focus on business law. You know, we will often get questions from our clients about this or that, or, you know, how do I protect myself? And, uh, oh, oh, I'm in the middle of a separation. So we want to talk about the interaction of that. So can you start us up and just give us a little bit of, uh, of the background of the framework of how family law interacts or the, the context uh, for somebody that owns a business? So the starting point is, and of course this is the law, so there's a million gray areas and exceptions, but our starting point is a business is treated as any other asset under our family law. So if you started your business or simply have a business during your relationship, then we're going to treat it as any other asset, which is, our starting point is it's divisible between you both. Now that's the net equity of the business, of course, like if there's debts, versus assets, we're looking at that as a whole picture. And then we we simply go from there. There's always, as I mentioned, exceptions. I talk to our business law team in case uh, we need to delve into that. But the starting point is, 
it's family asset. We have to value it and we have to divide it. And although you won't be giving away half your business necessarily, we will be accounting for half that value and your spouse may get half the value. Well, now hang on here. Now, what about a, a business person that has an existing business and then has a, develops a relationship after that? Can you talk to me about, you know, what is the triggering event that means, oh, I've got a relationship where my business assets may be at risk? Yeah. So there's two parts actually to that question. So the triggering point where you may be at risk is the moment you move in with someone. And that's a bit more complicated than that, but let's just say moving in with someone in what we call a spousal relationship. And that is our starting point. Then you have to be careful. You don't trigger our acts. We're not under that umbrella that you're going to have to divide it until two years have passed or you get married, whichever comes first. But that you have to be really aware when you start that relationship and you invite your partner in and everything's lovely that you should be planning for what if the worst case scenario happens. Okay, but what about if I've got, as a business person, I've got a business and I've been operating it for years and then somebody comes to live with me, I have a partner that comes to live with me, is the whole business at risk or just the amount of business that has grown since I've got my partner moving in with me at risk? And you've, you've actually answered the question in that. So it is the increase in value from that moment that person moves in or you get married to the point that you separate. We're looking at that piece of window of the asset and then we're valuing that. And of course, as I've already said, there's always exceptions, but that's our starting point where we're gonna look at that piece of the business, that value increase, and we're gonna be dividing that in half. Now, if there's been a decrease in value, then you don't have to worry so much. So question, how do you get a valuation for the business? So if someone was together, and they, let's say they got married 10 years ago and now they're separating, now they're divorcing. How do you value what the business was 10 years before and what it is now? We typically would get a business valuator. So there are account, actually, I don't know if they're accountants or not, but they're specifically trained people. They get a certified business valuation and we will use them. Now they are super specialized and that can be quite expensive. So if it is a more simple business where we don't have a complicated structure, then we will sometimes simply use the accountant and look at it that way. But that's something that I consult with accountants and the business valuators themselves, because this is not my area of expertise. I know enough to know it is not something I should dabble in. And so you're talking about the businesses, but for, yeah. for an actual building, uh, you know, one of the people that I mountain bike with is a commercial appraiser. And I guess that's who you would go to in, in that situation. Absolutely. And quite often the business valuators themselves will essentially subcontract to commercial appraisers and get those values because we're looking at everything. Yeah, he actually tells me that that's one of the biggest parts of his business is uh, working for lawyers in the family law context. It's kind of sad, really. Oh, I can believe it. It's it's busy. It's like when COVID first hit, people were like, the rate of divorce is going to go up exponentially. <laughs> Did it? I don't know. I am certainly way busier than I've been in years, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know if it's because people were stuck in their houses or if because everyone paused and thought, you know what, maybe I can put this off. And now people are like, no, I can't. I need but, to but divorce you right now. Seem to be an uptick in business, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Oh, I would say so. Yeah, real yeah. estate business. If I am getting into a relationship with somebody and I want to protect my business. How is that done? Do you guys look at prenuptial agreements or prenups or is there a different way to handle it? That is exactly the way I would recommend. And those can be done before you get into a relationship. You might already be living with someone and we can backdate those. That's absolutely possible and perfectly legal. 
It's a matter of coming in and discussing. And my preference as a family law lawyer is please, please come and talk to me and we can figure out if this is something you need or maybe you don't even need a prenup. But that is the way to specify with your partner exactly how this is going to be done. And that is the best way, in my opinion, for protecting those business mm -hmm. assets. So, so you can... Uh, sit down with your partner and say this business isn't going to be part of the family asset. That is correct. Yeah. What about spouses who don't want that? What, because there's so many spouses out there who would say, no, I'm not going to sign a prenup before That's or well, after. Well, I guess at least you know then. You can make your decision. <laughs> well, is this a partner for me? But then you can't really say, well, if you don't sign this, I'm not getting married. <laughs> Well, and that, and that's I guess why if we don't you like, leave it to the last minute, it might be awkward. <laughs> we don't like signing those the day before the wedding. We like we like people to either think about this beforehand. But what or, if they just say, no, I'm not signing it? Then as, as an individual, you have to decide for yourself, is this the partner for me? Is this someone who is taking this firm line? Are we going to be able to work together in the future? And come and talk to me and, and we'll discuss what your exposure is mm -hmm. be it the value of the business be it that increase in value if this is a business that you've had for years if there's a corporate structuring I might bring in one of you two to talk about that to see if there's a way maybe we can do it in an alternate way yeah is there a difference between people who get formally married and uh, people that just live together in, in the sense of exposure to, to assets on a breakup no, no difference. Uh, British Columbia has made it so we've, we've equalized the risk to everyone in that it's a single test. The only nuance is when you are common law, it does take two years of being in a spousal relationship, which can look a lot of different ways, but usually the easiest way to think of it is I'm living with this person in their house, but there are many ways a relationship can look, so I don't want to say that's the only way. So it's two years if you're common law or the day you get married, boom, you're in. I guess one of the things that you said that I found really interesting was that you can backdate these agreements. Yeah. Because in the business law context, yeah. the idea of backdating agreements is fraud. So uh, well, we have definitely done retroactive agreements, but there's certain situations and then it's by consent, right? Everyone's yeah, I, on the I same guess page. Maybe, Everyone yeah. agrees we're backdating this and it's beneficial to both. When I guess backdating is, is kind of like it's the way that the law Backdating is the is, wrong is, word yeah, in, that's the, in business Retroactively law. Retroactively effective. Well, and that, and that would be the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Like backdating is what people understand. But yeah, I'm not saying it was done in 72 no. or something for people. I'm like, we it's both today's agree. date. Yeah. But yeah, we're agreeing we're going to have to deal with these assets this way. So I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm sure we have a caveat because that because, like because the government tax authority isn't an issue, and that's that's where in in business law we have to be very um, careful about the idea of backdating. Mm -hmm. It's just a contract between two people. Exactly. Right? So like yeah, we wouldn't say it's backdated, but I think for people understanding it, I think it's okay to call it that. So, so even after there's a marriage to your partner, you can still sit down and say, look, uh, yeah, we got married in Vegas, uh, but now we still need to talk about how we're going to deal with things. In the oh yeah, no. If that if the person doesn't agree, but I've got one of my mom's cousins has a lot of assets, and he's like, last time I talked to him about it, he's like, oh yeah, I'm on like revision number six. They've been married twenty years. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's... sorry. Wait, wife six? Oh God, no, no. Revision of the agreement number six. Oh. Same wife, actually. <laughs> Good job. But, but Good that, job, Ryan. That, that's a, they, they've been talking about what is going to happen if they separate for twenty years. They have a lot of assets. But that's like, that's, a, that's quite wife, a story. But he's still being taken for a ride here. He still has something to give. This cannot go on. Obviously, the she didn't hire the right lawyers for the, the exes, eh? <laughs> 
Okay, so, so now let's talk about the downside. What is at risk, I guess? Uh, is there anything that is exempt from being subject to being split? No. Short, easy answer is no. Like, we could get into some weird permutations, but no. It's all, it's all live, and then sometimes we can pull it out. But a business you create or an existing business, we're going to be dealing with that as family property, and it's a starting point is that is something that we're going to be dividing. Okay, I don't know family law well, so correct me if I'm wrong, but if I inherit something from my mom, that's not family property, correct? You're correct. Well, actually, let me be really clear. What it is, it's exempt family property. So that starting value, mm-hmm. when you get it from your mom, is is ex- that value is exempt. If it okay. increases in value, just like if you know someone comes into a, a living business, in this yeah. case, that increase in value is divisible. Okay. Well, so- what, what if Tanvir's mom gave her some money to start a business, then if that money's put into the business, is it at risk, or does she get that money back? That's a really good question. Because well, if I take that money and put it in a business and me and my husband are running this business, it's family, right? Well, well, I don't know. That's the what law is actually so gray on that point. It, yeah. it gives us a bit of, the family law lawyers are still debating this. The way it's developing right now is you would probably be able to trace mm-hmm. that money in and you could skim, essentially, I think of it as skimming that money off the top and then the rest of the value of the mm-hmm. business would be divisible. Okay. But there's no guarantee there. There's cases that go either way. Yeah. So that's another reason to have an agreement, I guess. Absolutely. I find that when people sit down and have that discussion, quite often I don't, I rarely see them back because they're able to do that mm-hmm. or they don't need to come to me to figure it out if things do go sideways. Do you have I, any, any cool stories, any fights over dogs or anything? Well, we do <laughs> see not so much uh, prenup or cohabitation agreements involving the pets, but I have done separation agreements where we, you know, deal with who's keeping mm-hmm. Rover or you know Susie the cat and maybe it's a shared pet arrangement of them yeah. maybe it's one person keeping them that's that's people's it's like people's kids yeah you know one of the reasons that i decided not to do family law is it just seemed like it was a lot of people behaving badly or yeah. acting like children i do you have a, any kind of experience with that People in crisis are not at their best, and the loss of your relationship is pretty equivalent to the loss of, you know, a, a very close family member. Like that's, and you go through a grieving process, and, and people do very interesting things when they're under stress. And and how many times have we been trying to do a business deal only to find out that they're still married? Yeah. And uh, or they, your clients call you and say, "Okay, I'm getting married, and I got to get divorced in a month." Is that even possible? No, unfortunately, it's not. So anyone listening who is planning to get married really quickly, you need to give us more than a month's time. We cannot rush it. The courts will not rush a divorce, even if you've got a marriage coming up. I did have a file once years ago where people went through the form of a marriage ceremony, but never actually formally got married due to uh, one of them being still married to their previous spouse. And then I was coming in the other end because I asked them, oh, have you ever been married? And they said, well, we had the marriage ceremony, but we're not actually married. We're common law. I was like, all right. So we divided their property anyway, but it was an interesting twist. That's like having two spouses, right? Exactly. That's a lot why of people in do. in law you can have a two, two spouses because you're legally married to one, but then you've started co-living with one. So you're common law with one, so you can have two spouses at once. That's true. Wow, that sounds complicated. What I learned in family law in law school, and David Paul was my family professor, family law professor, shout out to David Paul and company. 
love David Paul. And he taught us that in BC, if you go to Vegas and you get married and you have a drunk night, you end up going to a little white chapel, you get married, you come back and then you're like, nope, this didn't exist. I was just drunk and it was just a silly ceremony. It's not. It actually exists. It's real. And you have to go through the whole divorce process in BC to actually cancel that. Oh, yeah. Well, would that put your, your assets at risk? Like a quick marriage like that? It would because the starting point again would be hey these are all your assets however most of them would be excluded because they wouldn't have a chance to increase Value, so yeah. unless you then bought some awesome art while you were in vegas bought or some a Lambo really cool while yeah exactly <laughs> what a weekend <laughs> which would then be divided equally uh subject to the debt on it so yeah you you would be exposed but probably not a lot mm. interesting well, sounds very expensive. I guess plan, plan, plan is the... Uh... Absolutely. No, I, I say to anyone who will listen to me, come talk to me. I love talking about this stuff. And then maybe if you don't need one, great. And if you do, then we'll set you up with a cohab. Or you can do like I did. And when I got married, I, I didn't have any assets, just had debt, didn't have <laughs> any furniture. And that was one of the things that was attracted to my wife because she actually had furniture. So, uh, so I had nothing at rest. Relationships I had lots changed. of debt when I got married. And then I got married and then my debt disappeared. Wow. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like a good match. <laughs> Before we end this off, we asked Jen last week for an interesting fact about herself, and that was our newest associate that practices wills and estates. So, Kristen, you have to give us an interesting fact about you that's not law or work related. Oh goodness, I don't know how interesting this is because I think it's on the website, but I'm actually a certified yoga teacher. Oh wow, where do you teach? I'm not teaching anywhere right now. The pandemic affected me as, as it did many people but I uh, previously taught at Tandava Yoga shout out to Tandava and hopefully be teaching soon again Kristen thanks for joining us well thanks for having me you guys this has been super fun FHMP lawyers are rooted in community and ready to help send your business law questions to podcast at fhplawyers.com